our pastor to the platform. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah. Is his presence heaven to you? Come on. His presence is heaven to me. Just knowing him. Just knowing him. His presence is... Just knowing him brings peace. Just knowing him brings joy. My soul does cry out. Hallelujah. Lord, I worship you. I praise you. Hallelujah. Yes, he is. His presence is in this place. I need more of Jesus and less of me, less of the things of this world. I need Jesus. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. I'm going to tell you what I'm sensing in the Holy Ghost. This is what I'm sensing in the Holy Ghost, that there is revival beginning in Jesus' name. There is restoration beginning in Jesus' name. There is harvest in Jesus' name. There is a move and a flow on the prodigals in Jesus' name. God is restoring that which has been destroyed. That which the canker worm tried to destroy. Jesus is coming back and moving again. Hallelujah. 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 Jesus. Jesus. Hallelujah. Ah, I want you to know that you're on a firm foundation if you're serving the Lord. Amen. Do you know what that firm foundation is? Hallelujah. It's the Holy Ghost and the Word of God. Not a one-time Holy Ghost infilling. It is a day-in and day-out Holy Ghost revival going on in a soul. When they begin to walk into the presence of God, they re immediately raise their hands and reverence the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. You know you was provided a foundation by Jesus Christ. God gave you a foundation, which is Jesus. I should say it like that. God gave you a foundation, which is every life storm. I ask you this question. It's not my message, but this is the question I ask you. What thing in your life, if taken away, would make, it, make life not worth living? You said it. Jesus. It's not my wife. It's not my children. It's not my grandchildren. It's Jesus. 
Because as long as I got Jesus, I'll have everything else. It may not be the way I designed it, the way I want to see it, or the way I want it, but as long as I got Jesus, I'll have that. Next question. What has to be present in your life for you to feel fulfilled and engaged in the house of God or at home? Everybody thinks it's money. They go, oh, well, it's more than just, it's a house. It's a, uh, you know, it's my car. It's uh, the clothes that I wear. You can have all that and not have Jesus. I mean, the movie stars have all that. Look at Trump. He has all that, but he still's not happy. Life is very much miserable. Even in, the, even in President Biden, life is most miserable. Uh, the computer guy, Gates, Bill Gates, is that his name? Man is most miserable, richest man in the world. Most miserable. Why? Because he don't have Jesus. So I ask you, do you have a good marriage? Oh, y'all got quiet on me now. I hope you got a good marriage because if Jesus is in it. Uh, something COVID has done very well at. Something COVID has done very well with the church. Do you have a close-knit family? Not no more. I'm sorry. We say, don't come to the house. You might bring COVID to my house. We don't hug no more. I was raised with hugs. So without Jesus, I want to distance you. Keep your six feet from me. Do you really have a close-knit family? Kids who adore and obey you. Do you have kids that adore you and obey you? Do you have a reliable job? Do you have a solid bank account? How you answer these questions show what constitutes your life's foundation. Hear me. Here's the bad news. Every single one of those foundations will crumble at some point. Marriage will crumble. Your children will crumble. The church will crumble at some point. But when you have a foundation that is rooted in the gospel of Jesus Christ, you have a relationship with Jesus Christ. You have a true foundation that is founded upon the rock of Jesus. The good news is that when your foundation is Jesus, you stand secure in any storm that comes your way. Saw an article. It was a photo from a few years ago of a house on the Gulf Coast. 
after Hurricane Harvey came through. One of the worst hurricanes in, in history. It's pretty shocking in the midst of the, the total devastation with houses and structures totally destroyed. One house in the middle of that, that hurricane was untouched. You might think the storm missed that house. Somehow, but it was out that partic that particular house was just built different. You know, if you've built your house up on the rock of Jesus Christ, whatever storms come our way, you will not be destroyed. They interviewed the builder. Watch this. They interviewed the builder. And he said, yeah, I built that house with this storm in mind. I ask you, have you prepared for the storms that come your way? I don't care how long you've been serving God, a storm's coming. You ever watched the movie, The Perfect Storm? There's a storm coming. He said, I went way beyond code on everything. He used 40-foot pylons. He made the house with breakaway walls so that when the winds tore through, there wouldn't be structural damage. As prepare for the storm. Builder planned on and built that house with a catastrophic concept of thinking about strong winds and about major storms. I ask you, have you prepared your walk with God just like that builder has prepared? When God provided you with the foundation in Jesus, he had every one of your life's storms already in place. The question is, have you prepared? When you feel like you have no strength, his resurrection is sufficient to empower you. There's an old hymn that says this, my hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. Is that, what your, is that what your foundation is? I feel the Holy Ghost. I know some of you may be getting tired of standing. Some of you may be getting tired of standing, but I've come to tell you, you had better be mindful of the foundation that you have built your soul and your walk with God on, for there are storms that you've already been through. Thank God you made it through it, but there are other catastrophic storms coming. The song goes, my hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. I dare not trust the sweetest frame. I dare not trust the sweetest frame, but wholly lean on Jesus' name. On Christ, the solid rock, I stand. All other ground is seeking sand. 
I want to take you to the book of Deuteronomy. I say this, I'm not a not in fear. I want you to do, I do want you to pray for my wife. There's things that we have not made uh, known only because it's unknown, but um, in one of her sonograms this past two weeks ago shows masses in her breast. Do I... I don't know what the Lord has in store, but my wife and I have taken a stand. We've taken a stand. We've already built our house. There is no fear. There's no work. plan is we have built our house on a solid rock. An MRI on that, and now her cuff is torn 50%, a rotor cuff, constantly in pain, tossing and turning in bed. I've taken a stand. Build this walk on no sinking sand. I built my walk on a rock to stand. No matter what the catastrophic storms are that may come our way, I still, as the Word of God said, I will walk always with him. As for me and my house, I'm going to serve the Lord no matter what. I'd like you to turn to Deuteronomy 2, 24. We'll read 24, 30, and 31. I welcome you online. I welcome you to the house of the Lord. I want you to know I'm gonna, I want to say this, and this I hope it doesn't damper the spirit, but I'm asking you, I'm asking a couple things, that we could come to church just a little earlier instead of walking in at 10. And I don't know who does that. I'm just asking you. I'm just asking. Okay? And what I'm asking for is when we come into this sanctuary at 930 to pray is you're not praying for yourself. You shouldn't have to come to the saint. You should Sunday morning should not be a time that we come and pray for ourselves. Because God already, if we've done our work, if we've done our work, when we come into this sanctuary at 9:30 to pray, here's what we should be praying. Lord, let the hearts of men and women be open. Anything that is a yoke around a man or a woman's neck, release it in Jesus' name. Because we know that's his will. So if we pray his will then he will do what he is to do. But when we have to come into the house of the Lord and go, God, forgive me. God, help me. I messed up. I'm broken. I'm down and out. I need Jesus today. You've just ruined everything that God wants to do in the house of God. So please, if you have to repent somewhere, repent outside this church, repent in the parking lot. But when you come into the house of the Lord, don't bring no baggage with you. Come in with a spirit that's made up, a mind that's made up. 
that says, I'm going to come into this house and I want to receive what thus saith the Lord. I want to see somebody receive the Holy Ghost today. I want to see somebody healed. I want to see somebody delivered. That was my infomercial. I love you. I mean, no harm. I'm just asking you not come and pray for yourself. Let's pray for the church service. God's will is that he moves in the service. His, his will is to do that. His will is to save somebody. His will is to. And we need to already be ready when we walk in this place. All right. Praise God. Thank you for standing so long. Burns calories. Hallelujah. Deuteronomy, and I need it. Uh, Deuteronomy 2, 24 says, Rise ye up, take your journey, pass over the river Arnon. I'm going to have to read from mine. That one's a little bit hard to read. Arnon, behold, I have given into thine hand. I want you to underline these words as I read. Underline this. I have given into thine hand Sion, the Amorite, king of Heshbon and his land, begin to possess it and contend with him in battle. I'm not done yet. Verse 30. I'll tell you when to start underlining. But, and I may be pronouncing Sihon or Sion or Sion, but just bear with me. But Sion, Sion, king of Heshbon, would not let us pass by for, start to underline, the Lord thy God hardened his spirit and made his heart obstinate that he might deliver him into thy hand as appeareth this day. Verse 31 says, don't underline yet. And the Lord said unto me, Behold, I have begun to give Sion and his land before thee. Begin to underline. Begin to possess that thou mayest inherit this his land. Go to Jeremiah 29, 11 through 14. Those that you have Bibles, I ask you to just say amen when you're there. For the Bible, here's what uh, verse 11 says. Underline starting now. For I know the thoughts that I think towards you. Saith the Lord. Stop underlining. They are thoughts of peace and not of evil. Underline to give you and expect it in. Verse 12 says, you do not underline anything here. Then shall ye call upon me and ye shall go and pray unto me and I will hearken unto you. Verse 13 says, and underline, and ye shall seek me. Underline that. Keep underlining until I stop. And ye shall seek me and find me when ye shall search for me with all your heart. Verse 14, continue to underline. And I will be found of you, saith the Lord, and I will turn away your captivity. You can stop underlining. And I will you from all the nations not one nationality not just 
one culture. All nations. And from all the places whither I have driven you, saith the Lord, underline, and I will bring you again into the place whence I caused you to be carried cap away captive. One more scripture, Romans 8, 28. I'll tell you when to start underlining. And we know that, begin to underline, all things work together for good. To them that love God, to them who are called according to his purpose, in Jesus' name. Lord Jesus, I pray, God, for your word to go forth right now in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. God, that we stand on your word today. Every word that we've underlined, it, that, that we understand that you have given us promises, that we are empowered by you and your word and your spirit. I pray blessings on this congregation today, God, to do your will, to be ready for the harvest, to be ready for the returning of those that are coming back in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name, and you may be seated in Jesus' name. I want to say this, though. God does not tell you you won't have heartache. He does not tell you that you will uh, not see loss in loved ones. He's saying all things work together for good to them that love God. I don't understand a lot of things that God is doing. I don't understand things that go on in people's lives that hurt them. I don't understand things that destroy marriages. I don't understand. I don't understand why. I don't understand. But, and it sometimes feel, feels callous or cold for me to say this, but the word of God, 828 says, and we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are called according to his purpose. Our problem is not what it appears to be sometimes. We get focused and, and center-minded or our mind centered upon the problems and on the circumstances that stay before us or lay before us. Uh, the story of Israel, the Israelites were leaving Egypt and coming to the Red Sea. And, and, and if you followed it, uh, we followed God. They're saying, I followed you, God, but you led us into a dead end. And where do you go from here when you were led to a dead end? So they decide to set up camp between Migdol and the Red Sea. The name Migdol means tower. They didn't realize it, but that is exactly where God wanted them to be. See, sometimes we don't understand the things that are going on in our lives. We don't always understand the catastrophic storms that have come our way. But there's power in the tower, I've got to tell you. That's the time. There's power in the, in the tower today. Amen. And you've got to understand that God sometimes leads you into a place that seems very very, very uh, pinned in to where you feel like there's nowhere to turn to the right, nowhere to turn to the left, nowhere to turn and go back, and nowhere to turn to go forward. But there is a purpose that God has led you into this place. And they didn't realize it, but it was exactly where God wanted them to be. He had strategically placed them at that location. For myself, and I did design and pray and get this message, but now I'm wondering, is this where I'm at? 
the catastrophic storms, you don't never know what they are until they begin to unfold. They see it on radar. Oh, it's coming across the, the southwest or the west and the east and the north and the south. The catastrophic storms are coming. I'm wondering, is God preparing me for a storm? Another storm. One of many. And he's saying, talk to my people because the storms are real. The storms are there to test you. The storm is there to find out who do you really trust in this day and age. Who do you put your life's trust and life dependence upon today? He had strategically placed him at this location as a point of lookout. They were built for defense of people. It's a place to guard it would guard the camp. The guards would climb up into the top of the tower so that they could see the enemy from a far distance coming. And they, but this is not the only purpose of the tower and what the tower fulfills. You see, the towers during the particular time period were not only used as lookout points. I found out that these towers were also used as, uh, as armories. I want to stop here for a moment I want to let you know your prayer is building up armory it's laying down ammunition it's building up your ammunition pile so that when the devil comes after you when the storms the, the catastrophic storms begin to come that you already have laid up some ammunition so that when the devil brings it into your 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 circumference or your season or into your life you're able to say ah but I'm okay let me just begin to pull back from my armory and bring out some weaponry let me pull out some scripture on you 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 storm I've got something for you today yea though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death I will fear no evil for thy word is with me I've come you said you would never leave me nor forsake me Lord God, you said you would stick closer than a brother. Oh, God, I've come. I've come believing in you, Lord God. I want to be able to, whew. oh, yes, Lord. I, I've done fired two or three at them, Lord God. We're going to come through this victoriously. Why? Because I don't have a deplete in my ammunition because I've laid it up. Inside these Towers, armories would stockpile weapons so that if the enemy would come, that they would have the weapons that they needed to defend themselves and defeat the opposition. Everything they needed to defense for defense was already in the tower. I come to tell you who your tower is. Your tower is Jesus Christ. Your tower is the Holy Ghost in you. The tower is the one that when you go to your knees, you almost feel like ammunition is beginning to be built up. You already feel like you're able to conquer whatever's coming your way. You already feel victory on the horizon. I don't know how long that perfect storm lasted in that movie that they did, but what I know when the perfect storm comes, God is going to ride that storm out with you if you've laid up treasure and armory and prayer with Jesus Christ. 
You have firepower in Jesus. Solomon said the name of the Lord is a strong tower. I wish I had some people that understood your power, where your power comes from. He is your strong tower. When you took, it on, his, when you took on his name, you were given access to the tower. I want to let you know that there is power in the tower. Not only can you find shelter and comfort in the tower, but also you can find whatever weapon you need to declare war on the enemy. Whatever you need is in the tower. If you've laid up, your, 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 if you've prepared and stockpiled your weaponry. Whatever it is that you might need today, I want you to know you can find it in the tower. I want you to know you can find it. You want to know why? Because there's power in the name of Jesus. There's power in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ to lay hands on the sick and they will recover. There's power in the name of Jesus that, you, that people can be saved from their sins. There's power in the name of Jesus for God to raise up grace gospel in this city despite the enemies that fight against us. How many of you know that there's revival on the way? Don't do it because I said there's revival. Do you really believe revival's coming? I'm going to ask you this. Do you really believe that God's going to deliver your children? I don't want you to look at it with your natural eye because if you look at it with the natural eye, you will say, nope, not happening. But what I've come to tell you in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, that he is going to deliver in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. We shall see it in Jesus' name. Whether I'm in heaven, I'll see my children saved. No matter where I'm at, I'm going to see Jesus step in the midst of this storm and begin to deliver them from the snare of Satan in Jesus' name. But I've got to come to a place that I've laid up some weapons of prayer. I've laid up some ammunition in my tower so that as the enemy is approaching, as the catastrophic storm is coming, that I could stand on the mountaintop, the very rock that God has given me, and say, Lord, I know you're going to do a work, oh God. Though I don't see it, Lord God, there is power coming in the name of Jesus. There's victory coming in the name of Jesus. There's a quietness coming in the name of Jesus. There's peace coming in the name of Jesus. There's joy coming in the name of Jesus. There's revival coming in the name of Jesus. There's healing coming in the name of Jesus. The problem is I've got to get some people to lay up some weaponry. I need some people in the house of God to begin to lay up weaponry. I need some folks that will begin to pray, God, don't let it be about me. Let it all be about you. God, I'm praying weaponry 
up for healing in Jesus' name. Huh? Lord, I'm praying weaponry up for my children to be saved in Jesus' name. Huh? Lord God, I'm praying up my weaponry for other folks' children to be saved in Jesus' name. Lord, I'm praying for those right now, God. I've got weaponry already built up for the drug addict. Huh? I've already got weaponry built, built up for the, the alcoholic. Huh? I've already got weaponry built up for the one that's been molested and, and raped in Jesus' name. Huh? I've got it right now. Those that have been sold in sex slave, I've got weaponry already built up that they might be healed, oh God, and delivered in Jesus' name. I've got it way, I'm building it up, Lord. I'm building it up, Lord. I've got it for the depressed and the down and outs. I've got it for every soul that needs Jesus. David stood before Goliath, proclaimed, Thou comest to me with a sword and with a spear and with a shield. But I come in the name of the Lord. I wish I had some children that would stand up in the name of Jesus and say in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. I come in the name of the Lord. Satan, you come with your shield. You come with your spear. You come with your weaponry. But I come in the name of the Lord. I come in the name of the Lord. The world can bring anything against you they want to, but we've got a, the real firepower, Jesus Christ. David didn't say, I'm coming to you with the name of the Lord. He said, I'm coming to you in the name of the Lord. David wasn't happy just bringing the name with him. It's not enough for you, us to just say, I know his name or we know, we know his name. We've got to wear his name. I, I, I've got to have some people that are willing to have Jesus across their forehead, Jesus across their chest, Jesus on their back when the, when the enemy's trying to fire at them. I've got, we've got to have some people that are ready to stand up and say, I'm on the tower, Pastor. I'm on the tower. We've got to take on his name. Pharaoh said, they are entangled in the land. The wilderness put them in. I believe that sometimes, if I'm not careful, I would feel just like the children of Israel. There, I've got them now. I've got them right where I want them. I'm going to get them now. They can't go to the left. They can't go to the right. They can't go forward and backward. They can't go north, south, east, or west. I've got them right where I want them. And now there is fear. Now there's a bit of fear in them because now they see the enemy coming and they're looking at everything that's around them and they're wondering, what are we going to do? What are we going to do? What are we going to do? It truly appeared that Pharaoh had them right where he wanted them. It appeared that he had them right where he could destroy them. But in reality, they were where God wanted them to be. Hallelujah. Behind them was Pharaoh and his army being there in the past. Hear me when I say.
everything in your past is stuff that Satan wants to bring back up and get you confused about your walk with God today. On the left side were the two mountain ranges, which were current circumstances going on in our life. Uh, do I really want to serve God today? Hmm. Do I want to make money? Does money mean more to me than my God? My God, anything. And I know you all think I harp on money a lot. Oh, now I've just been chastised, corrected by bishops. But the bottom line is, let me say this very, very, very carefully. If you've got a job and you're working day in and day out, that's, your, that's what God blessed you with. Anything outside that, you need to give God, you need to, you need to make sure that your ministry has not been affected by anything else. Because when other things creep in, when other things, and I can talk because this is, I'm, 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 re, I'm telling you my life story. Okay, because I remember coming to the house of God. I remember God moving in my life. I remember I was making, I don't know, $60,000, $70,000 a year as a parched man before Carrie took over. Uh, anyway, so um, someone came in and said, hey, man, you want to make some extra money? I had two kids. If you're not in your right mind, who would not want to make extra money? I'm, I'm going to be real with you, okay? I said, yes, I'd like to make some extra money. So we got into Amway. And I've told this story many a times. I went 24-7 with Amway and working. We were in malls. We were handing out cards. Hey, you're interested in making a, some residual income and some extra income? Come, come on. I got something I want to show you. Just come on. Come to this place, this address. Come see me. Come see me. It is amazing the amount of money you can make. And you're going you're gonna to generate, uh, you all, matter of fact, here's what I'm going to tell you. You can even replace your job. Now I was in church. You all hear, hear me? I was going seven days a week with this stuff. We emptied my house out one day, and we put 75 chairs in my living room. My couch was outside. Now, if you would have come, I'm going to tell you what. If I would have come there as a guest and I saw all this man's furniture sitting outside, I'd be like, is he getting evicted? I mean, my, my living room sofa, dining tables, uh, your coffee tables, chairs, everything sitting in the driveway. Why? Because we had 75 people. My, my mentor going, oh, yeah, man, we got 75 people coming. Woo! You're going you're gonna to draw the circles, and you're going to teach them how they're going to make money, and you're going to have 75 people in this. So I went, and I went, and I ran, I ran, I ran. I ran, and I ran, and I ran. All of a sudden, the Lord spoke to me and said, what are you doing in the kingdom of God? Watch what I said to him. I said, well, we promote Jesus. We pray in this thing. I'm witnessing. This is a witness for me. Is it for your kingdom or is it for my kingdom? I stepped back. I said, God, forgive me. I called my, I called my, I forget what his name, uh, I know his name. I won't call it out. But, but I called, he's my director. I called him up. I said, I'm done. Whatever I got to do to get out. I said, and you're in the church. 
I said, and you let this rob me. That's what I told him. I said, you let this rob me from the ministry God had called me to. And I said, if anybody should, not, should know better, it should be you. You are an elder in the church, as far as I was concerned. He was way, been in church longer than I had. That's why I won't call his name out. But the bottom line is, I told him, I said, you robbed me. And then God had to get a hold of me because you weren't watching out for my soul. You let me be at, uh, uh, all up in the money, thought of money, making money, replacing my job, living in big mansions. I don't know why I'm out there. That's why I know why I'm out there because I, I always say something about money. God, and, I, and then God took me from a $250,000 a year income and put me and planted me in this church for this church to vote me in. There ain't no $250,000 income. And I'm, I'm not saying that because I'm complaining. What God taught me, watch, what God taught me is to be thankful for what I have. Not once, not once have I missed an electric bill. Not once have I missed a mortgage payment. Now, my wife works. Yes, my wife works. If she didn't work, we would lose those things. But, but what I'm trying to tell you is I've not been greedy. I've not gotten crazy-minded to try, to try to start something else that would hinder the work of God. I, I, I just haven't, I haven't let nothing get in the way of God. And, and, it's not, and if God told me to go get a job, guess what? I'll go get a job. I put the fleece. I said, God, I need a job. I need a job. Here's what he said to me. You just wait. Do you trust me? He said, did I not tell you in my word that my seed will never beg? If you're a good steward of your money, you will never beg. But you've got to learn to be a good steward of your money. People, uh, let me get back. God, forgive me for getting off. No. So my circumstances, right? All my circumstances. Now the devil wants to bring circumstances up into my home with my wife. He will. And, he wants, and, and, and the devil would like to say, now where are you going to go, Pastor? Where are you going to do now? Uh-huh. In front of them was the Red Sea, which is your future, which is unknown. They looked at the dead end, but God looked at the potential. I wish you would understand that you're not at a dead end. There is a lot of potential, and there is a way that God is going to make for you that you will never, ever be able to understand that he has done and how he's worked it out if you allow him to be the one that leads you. And you stop listening to all those other voices in your ear, and you begin to listen to the voice of God and let him lead you. He will take you to places that you never, ever The Egyptians saw it was as a, as a great, big, unsurpassable body of water, but God saw it as an opportunity for the miraculous. See, the devil will make you think that he's got you between a rock and a hard place. But in reality, you're exactly where God wants you. On one side, you have the power in the tower, and on the other side, you have the opportunity for the miraculous. Paul said, we are troubled on every side, yet I'm not distressed. 
perplexed, but I'm not in despair. I am persecuted, but I have not been forsaken. I've been cast down, but I'm not down. <laughs> Woo, I'm not destroyed. I might have tripped. I might have fallen, but I'm back up in Jesus' name. I already know how to repent and get back in the grace of God. I've already understood that. He thought he cast me down. He thought he destroyed me, but I'm not destroyed. It may look like we've followed God to a dead end, but in reality, it's the ambush that's about to happen on the enemy. God speaks to them and says, you're going to go through the Red Sea. If you're ever going to find salvation, you must first go through the water. <laughs> the Bible says that when they had realized that they had crucified their Messiah, they wanted to know what they needed to do to be saved. They went to Peter. They said, Peter, what is it that we must do? He said to them, repent. Peter said to them, repent. And repenting is turning away from my sin. I'm no longer smoking my cigarettes anymore. I'm no longer drinking my alcohol anymore. I'm no longer cussing uh, foul words out of my mouth. I'm no longer looking at pornography. No longer. Uh, 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 no longer. No longer entertaining the demonic thoughts of Satan. No longing for the things of this world. Verse 15, And the Lord said unto Moses, Wherefore criest thou unto me? Why are you crying? Speak unto the children of Israel that they may go forward. So I'm doing what God has told me to do. If we're going to go forward as Grace Gospel Worship Center, you're going to have to get committed and focused on what God is wanting you to do and go forward from this day forward. You need to rise up in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Know that you have power in the tower. The Israelites walked through the dry ground, through on dry ground. The next morning they looked on the beaches and there laid all the bodies of the enemies that had been drowned in the night. Their enemy had been drowned in closing right now. Their enemy had been drowned which was their miracle. Their enemy was drowned. You may be at a dead end right now, but you need to just you need to remember it might just be an ambush that God has set up for the enemy of your soul. And after everything is said and done, you're going to see that your enemy has been drowned and the blessings of God is being poured out. And that was your blessing that God was looking to bring you through. Your situation is not what it appears. The situation in each and every one of your life is not what it appears. Why, Pastor? Because God has set you up for a miracle. The miracle will be yours if you're willing to know that your circumstances, your predicament, your situation is only temporary.
Yeah, so what will you say, Pastor, if any negative news comes? I will say we will trust the Lord. I'm not going to tell you I'm not going to get knocked down. I'm not going to tell you that there might have to be some things happen in my life to God will have to lift me back up. But what I do know is that if I will stand, that he'll bring us through it together in Jesus' name. I've come to tell you, if you'd stand with me, I've come to tell you, whatever the storm is that you're going through, some of you have been praying for a spouse or a loved one or children for years. And the storm looks like it has taken them. It looks like they're like hemmed in. And that you can never see them getting back to the place they once were. You feel like Satan has such a grip on your, your spouse or your children or your own life that it's almost choking the spiritual life out of you. That you don't know where to look more because you've been so long in this situation so long in this event so long in perfect form that you've forgotten who is your rock of your salvation that you have forgotten who went to a cross and died for your sins and my sins I want you to know today there's power in the tower. Thank you so much, Liz. There's power in the tower. And Jesus has come to set the captives free. He's also come to tell you that if you'll bring your prayers to me, I will be your tower. I will be your protector. I'll be your maker. I'll be the one that restores everything. The problem is, is what I want restored may not be what he restores. The question is, is will you allow him to restore whatever he wants to restore? And will you be happy with it? Or if he takes it away from you. If he takes it away from you, are you able to say, okay, God, thank you. What are you able to do? That would be the biggest catastrophic storm. What would be the biggest catastrophic storm in your life? I already know what the biggest catastrophic storm is. There'll be two. One, if I lose out with God. To, if anything happens to my wife and I love my children and I love my grandchildren but I don't want to lose out with Jesus today I know who my power comes from it comes from Jesus I feel the Holy Ghost I want you to know that God has come today 
to visit you. I know he's already visited me. But I want you to know he's walking these aisles right now. And he's got a, he's got a string of angels walking with him. The healing angel is here. The angel of deliverance is here. The angel of love is here. The angel of repentance is here. The Holy Ghost is in this house. You have to ask this question. Do I want the Holy Ghost for myself? Or do I want it for somebody else? Do I want him to touch me? Or do I want to wait till he touches someone else in my family? I want you to know that your greatest reward will be the infilling of the Holy Ghost in your life, regardless of who else gets it. Regardless of who else is filled with the Holy Ghost. Because that will be your ticket into heaven. I'm going to ask you to, I'm going to let you know, one, the altar is open. Two, I feel the presence of God in this place so heavy. I feel his presence in this place. Just worship with us as we sing. Whatever you feel that the Lord is calling you to do, if you want God to heal, deliver, you want him to restore, if you are renewing in the Holy Ghost, if you want the Holy Ghost, whatever it is that you want today, Meet him face to face. Not my will, God. Not my will, but thy will be done, Lord. Come on, it's just about you and God. It's only you and Jesus now. It's not your spouse. It's not your children. It's just you and Jesus right now. It's not about my loved ones. It's about me and Jesus today. It's about my relationship. You need to build up the firepower in your own tower so that you can be prepared for what is coming. Lay up your weaponry right now. Jesus is coming.
hide his head. 